0: Good morning. There's a passage in the book of Exodus where Moses had been for 40 years uh, taking care of Jethro's flock, his father-in-law. And one day something incredible happened. He was passing by and he noticed this bush that was ablaze. And yet it wasn't being consumed by that fire. It wound up being an incredible encounter with God where before Moses left that scene, there was no doubt in his mind what God had instructed him to do. Even though Moses, if you read that that text, he came up with reason and excuse and questions as to why he was the one to go and be God's mouthpiece to see the Israelites delivered from Egyptian bondage. It was an encounter that changed the course of his life. Back in the mid-80s, as God was and had been impressing upon my heart what he wanted me to do with my life, I found myself in very similar ways like Moses trying to talk myself out of it Trying to rationalize why I was the wrong person to ever have to get up in front of people and talk, that was not me, it was not something I desired, and he was calling me to do that and towards the i guess those last days of that encounter with god as as he was and I was surrendering to his will uh, reluctantly, though <laughs> I can remember the road that I was on i was I was traveling down what's known as Ventura Highway, uh, 126 between Cass Steak and, and Ventura. I was on my way to Oxnard. I was working for a Caterpillar dealer, and I was going there to work for a number of weeks. And going down that road, I was thinking about that situation with Moses and that conversation he had with God as God was telling him, this is what I want you to do. And I began to surrender my life and say, God... If you're sure about this, <laughs> and I began to pin these words going down that road, I remember writing writing them down so that I wouldn't forget them. And um, I want to sing this song for you because it's kind of my testimony of that day when it was no longer excuses as to why I wouldn't serve Him, but it was surrendering to what He said. This song is called "I Am the Lord, I Am." And uh, my wife and my beautiful daughter are going to join with me. She was just a little tricycle motor when I wrote this song. And what a joy to have my daughter and my wife singing with me this morning.
1: Lord said to me, I've set before you a wide and open door. But when I hesitated, Jesus just waited, his love patiently waits some more. The Lord said to me, you could love them through me. Remember how I suffered the cross. Then my heart broke inside when I thought how he died and why his precious blood was lost.
0: A number of years ago. Um, I was pastor at a church about six blocks from here from 1990 to 2001. And as a young pastor in the early 90s, a couple came by our home. I lived right there on the, the church campus, and a um, homeless couple needed some food, needed some help, needed a place to stay, wanted to know if we could help in any way. And Teresa and I brought them into the house and fed them, and there was a, a vacant room on our office building uh, at the time that nobody used. It was more of a kind of a catch-all room, and I let them stay in there for a night. And uh, one night turned into a week, and a week turned into two weeks, and uh, eventually uh, got the man a a job. A friend of mine uh, hired him, and I got them hooked up, and he went to work, and things were kind of looking good for them. And they uh, were attending the church, and uh, one day after they'd been there, I don't know, a couple of months, I came home from work and I had not noticed any, anything different until I went down into uh, a cellar where I kept uh, a lot of tools, and they had uh, took about $500 worth of my tools and left. And uh, I, I'm not going to tell you some of the things I wanted to say or do. I'm just like you. It it bugged me, to say the least. But I know that you know the feeling of somebody taking advantage of you and using you. Uh, People come along and take and use you to their advantage. And um, we've all had that. And I I think when we, we think of being used by someone, it's usually a negative thing. However... When it's the Creator of the universe, the Redeemer of your soul, the King of kings and the Lord of lords that wants to use you, folks there is no greater honor that can be bestowed upon a human being than to be used by God as His instrument to further the impact of His kingdom. You have got to understand that God wants to To use your giftedness, your abilities for his kingdom's sake. I think a lot of Christians feel that God is not using them and they wonder if they have even have anything to offer God. And much of their Christian life is just sort of lived in a kind of a a spiritual funk, kind of a blasé Christian experience. That encounter that I had with the Lord, which is, I kind of look back, I go, that was kind of my burning bush experience, because that's when God met me, and unequivocally said, this is what I want you to do. And all of my excuses had to fade away. All of my reasons why I was the wrong man for the job had to come to an end. And I surrendered to God. And I tell you, it has changed the direction in the course of my life since that day. And I hope that you will ask God, give me that experience where I know without a doubt why I'm here and what I'm to be about. It'll change the course of your life because too many Christians, they go through their whole Christian life and never ever get that nailed down. Some marine biologists have discovered that in, in some dolphins, and dolphins, as you know, are some of the most incredible mammals on the planet. They're, you can train them to do so much, and they're, they're, they're very, very smart mammals. But they have discovered, these marine biologists, that that dolphins can actually become the equivalent of what we diagnose as being clinically depressed. You'll see them, their fin will, will kind of tip over a little bit. And they've been diagnosed that way, and they're not sure why, but they've come to the conclusion it's because they have no purpose in life. Um, you know what? That joke is so old, I'm ashamed I told it, but I'm really more ashamed that you still laugh at it. The truth is, folks, that God has a purpose for your life. If you are part of His kingdom, there's a reason for your being. Amen? Amen? Now, I want you to open your Bibles, and I hope you brought a copy of the Scriptures today. But you need to open to Exodus chapter 31. We're going to look at the le- about 11 verses in there and just kind of examine a few, of but I want you to get the whole scene here. The Lord spoke to Moses, verse 1, saying... See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholadab the son of Echamash of the tribe of Dan I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I command you the tabernacle of meeting the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all of the furniture of the tabernacle the tables and the utensils the gold Pure gold lampstand and all its utensils and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all of its utensils and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister his priest and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Now that's a large section of scripture and you might be saying, well, what in the world does it have to do with with you and I, but I can assure you, you're going to be surprised at what this Old Testament passage, this ancient passage, has to do with us today. I'm just going to give you several things that just kind of surface up out of the text. The first thing is, very simple, is that God knows you Personally. He knows you personally. Look at verse 1 and 2. Then the Lord spake to Moses and said, See, I've called Bezalel the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. God knew this man personally. And folks, God knows you personally. You don't get lost in the mix of the myriads and myriads of people that inhabit this planet. Jesus was walking through the city of Jericho one day, and this incredible throng of people were crowding around him. And there was a man in the city of Jericho by the name of Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells us that he was a man of very short stature. He was a midget, or if I have to be politically correct, he was height challenged, whatever. But he couldn't see over the multitudes of people. And so what he did was he went ahead of the crowd, knowing where Jesus was headed. And he climbed up into a sycamore tree, right? If you know the story. And he wanted to be able to see Jesus, get a glimpse of him as he passed by. And so here comes Jesus. And Jesus stops. And he looks up. And there is this little guy up in this tree. Now that's quite a sight. But what he does is he looks at Jesus he he, he looks up there and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, who knows him by name having never met him come down for today I must stay at your house. I mean, Zacchaeus was just one of the crowd. He must have thought he he knows me but not only does he know me, he wants me. Must have been a thrill. Can I just say this to you today? Whenever you go out on a limb For Jesus, He notices you. He notices you. He sees the desire of your heart to get to know Him. Sometimes that desire is not really evident. But when it becomes insatiable, Jesus won't hide from you. And He will notice you. Folks, He wants you just like He wanted Zacchaeus. He had a plan for Zacchaeus' life, and I would say this He has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Think about this for just a moment. God doesn't need us. Do you understand that our God is completely self sufficient in and of Himself? He spoke the universe into existence. And the book of Hebrews says he upholds all things by the word of his power. The reason the planets rotate and and spin through the cosmos is because God told them to. He doesn't need anything as we think of needs. He's completely self-sufficient. But he wants you. Think about the value that places on you. Don't you like to be wanted? Of course you do. Bezalel means in the shadow of God. Here was a man who was overshadowed by the presence of God. Folks, God knows you by name. God knows what you're thinking this very moment, the very thought on your mind. Isn't that scary? doesn't have to be, does it? That doesn't have to be scary. But some of you need to come back right now. Look at Psalm 139 verse 4. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. God knows you personally, right? You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thoughts that are far off when I'm daydreaming. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. And there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. That, that psalm speaks of an intimate relationship that God has with us. He knows you better than you know yourself. And what's amazing is He still loves you. And He wants you. He knows your name. He knows you're not an accident. You're not a mere incident. You're special to God. So put this down. God knows you personally. And He says He has a purpose for your life. I know that sounds fishy, but He does. It's true. He has a place for you, but God not only knows you personally, but secondly, God calls you specifically. Look at verse 2. You see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the, the tribe of Judah. God has called every mother's child in this building. Just like Jesus told his disciples, you did not choose me, but what? I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. God had a purpose and a plan for those men. God called him specifically. Let me give you some other verses where God called people specifically. This is out of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb... I knew you. He knows you personally. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So God said, I not only knew you, but I called you specifically for a purpose. Before Jeremiah was born, God already had a plan for his life. And folks, before you were born... God had a plan for your life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says that we have been saved. He said, He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which He has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You and I were saved by grace, and folks, that grace means that God has a plan, has a purpose for your life. That's what Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 goes on to say this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God has a purpose. He wants to carry out His plan through you. There's a reason you exist. God has ordained, He's planned that you would do particular things. Like with the Apostle Paul uh, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Just another illustration of the God specifically calling them to a ministry. Folks, God calls missionaries, God calls prophets, God calls apostles. But, but think about this for a moment. Before God told them to set aside Barnabas and Saul, rewind the scene back prior to Saul coming to Christ he is, according to the book of Acts, on the way to the city of Damascus. He's breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He's been given the authority by the religious leaders in Jerusalem to go and arrest anybody. And if you need to put him to death, you've got our consent to do that. And while he is en route to Damascus to carry out this horrendous plan, this bright light shines from heaven. He falls to the ground and this voice says to him, "'Saul, why are you persecuting me?' And and Saul says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then you know what he said? Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he said, you know what? You, You arise and I want you to go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The point is, folks, God knows us personally. But just like Jeremiah, just like Paul or Saul, just like Barnabas, there is a specific place for us to serve him. So he knows us personally. He calls us specifically. Thirdly, God equips you uniquely. God says of this man, Bezalel, look at verse 3, and I have filled him With the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, to work in all manner of workmanship. You see, God had told Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. I want you to... And then he gave him all these details and he said, now here's a man, Moses who's gifted to work in gemology. Here's a man who will have lapidary skills working with stones. Here's a man who will know metallurgy, working with metals. Here's a man who will have the the work of a craftsman working with wood, carving, and doing all of these things. God says, look, I've given him that ability. Here's God's original handyman. There are many people in this congregation who have abilities I I couldn't even begin to imagine having. Now, God has gifted me in various areas, but correspondingly, there are are some places God simply has not gifted me. I think a great example of this is the ability to to calculate numbers. I have never had an aptitude for, for mathematics. Now, my son, he took and majored in calculus. I can't even spell calculus. I know it starts with a K, but that's about, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys that somehow I got through all 14 years of high school and never had a minute of algebra. I said that in a first service, and you know why? And the guy said, because you're lucky. <laughs> no, it's because I was not so swift they had something when I was in, school, in high school as a freshman, had something called D, D period math. And it was people in that class, all of who never understood the concept of a, a letter by a number. That still don't make sense to me today. So what they would do was we would, we would study basic math Monday through Thursday, and then on Friday we'd go across the hall into a vacant classroom and we'd sit around it in groups and play dominoes. I think the teacher thought we were all going to wind up down at the pool hall playing dominoes and we needed to learn at least how to count and add up those little dots. I have no idea. We just weren't that good at it. Some people are great at that. Teresa has a great aptitude for mathematics and I'm certain that she's gifted by God. Folks, talents and abilities are from God just like spiritual gifts are from God. The ability to carve wood is a gift of God. The ability to Being an electrician is a gift of God. The ability to work on automobiles is a gift of God. The ability to learn a foreign language and a foreign culture and take the gospel to foreign lands is a gift from God. Listen, don't separate gifts like some are spiritual and some are secular. The Bible really makes no division between spiritual and secular. Everything is of God if it's honorable. If you have a talent to sing or a talent to build or a talent to wire a house or teach young minds the truth of Scripture, then avail yourself and become an instrument in His hands to impact your world. Moses, who wrote this Scripture, was called by God to be a spiritual leader. God called Bezalel to be a master craftsman. Both of those were vitally important. Those people who are working behind the scenes are incredibly vital to God's work. We have some incredible men and women that most of you never see. You don't even think about them. They work up in the tech booth in the balcony. They arrive early on Sunday mornings. They unlock the building. They turn on the AC or the heaters as the case may be. They get the projectors up. They get the sound up and running. They adjust the lighting. And I I, I gave them kudos in the first service And, and I didn't know this until right before second service, but the entire time I was giving him kudos, my microphone was going. And you know whose problem that was me? I had the wire rolled up and stuck in my pocket. They're trying to correct. You can't fix the guy. That's the problem. Right. But those guys do a wonderful job You never even see them, but they, they deserve that. They do. And when something goes wrong, it's not because of them. It's because technology is from the pits of... No, I won't say that. But it can be. But they do a tremendous job. But folks, we have folks here who regularly come in once a week. They're on a rotating basis. And they're the ones that make sure those baskets in front of you under the chair has paper and Kleenex and a pen and those kinds of things. Those things don't just magically appear. There are some people who come in, don't know their names. We hardly ever see them. They walk in, they do it, and they leave. Servants of God. We have people right now that are volunteering, sitting with the babies so that you can come into a worship service. People who are saying, you know what, Lord, use me. Use me for whatever you want. We're all part of this seamless garment and God has something for every one of His people. Some of it may seem more spiritual than others, but let me assure you it's not. Jesus said, you give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, and you surely will be rewarded for that. Right? So when first service was over, I went up and stood by that little orange got cooler jug and pushed the button for some lady. said, I'm getting a reward right now, Am. <laughs> she said, well, so much for that reward. <laughs> Folks, the, the point is, is that Every one of us has a place in God's kingdom. Uh, you, you've been given uh, one of these prayer cards uh, some time ago, and you've put names on it of people you can pray for, people that you can invite to uh, Harvest Fest, people you can invite to the upcoming Christmas services here. Uh, be used by God. Be in prayer. God, use me to reach some of these folks. Use me as a, as a, a catalyst to get them to be here where they can hear the message of Christ The Bible tells us that this man, Bezalel, this woodworker, he was anointed by the Holy Spirit of God to carve wood, to put things together, to make things work. And God gives ability to businessmen, to businesswomen, to mechanics, to farmers, to architects, to doctors, to pilots, you name it. Bezalel needed Moses, and Moses needed Bezalel. Folks, I'm so blessed when I consider what the people of this church do. The, the, the ushers, the nursery workers, the groundskeepers. We have about four people who almost don't get a Sunday off serving donuts. They're helping our church to grow in their own way. <laughs> they, need, they need help. I'm not going to put a plug in for them, but I'm going to put a plug in for them. If you feel like that could be a good ministry, a donut ministry, you like doing the wholesale, you know doing things wholesale, Okay, forget that. There's places to serve all over South Valley. Not just South Valley, but around the globe. Listen, the Bezalels are needed just as much as the Moses people are needed. And so I'm going to say this to you when you go to work tomorrow morning. You ought to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, bondservants obey In all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men please, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, whatever it is you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So, folks, tomorrow in the office at the plant, at the base, at the school, you're serving Jesus. That's the spirit. That's the attitude you're to have. Your secular boss, when you serve him, just understand this: you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, there's a hidden paycheck from the Lord that you're going to receive a reward based on how you do that for His kingdom's sake and for His glory. God gives different people different gifts, different talents, different abilities. But notice what He said about Bezalel. Again, He's been filled with the Spirit. He's been given wisdom, understanding, and knowledge and manner, all manner of workmanship to design artistic works to work with gold and silver and bronze, with jewels, carving wood, working all manner of workmanship. God says in this, here it is. He says, to do all of those things, I have filled Him with my spirit. All of us have talents and spiritual gifts. And both talents and spiritual gifts are from God. It is our joy it is our privilege to discover, to develop, and put those things to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have different gifts, but they're all from God. He knows you personally, He calls you by name. He has called you specifically. He has a plan, a purpose for your life. And folks, God has equipped you uniquely. You're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. And folks, listen. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how uh, how educated or uneducated you are. God has a place of service for you in His kingdom. He is not limited by your abilities. He's simply looking for your response to His ability. That's your response ability. Makes sense. Fourthly, God empowers you fully. He doesn't call you to do something and leave you to do it in the, the strength of your flesh. It's not enough just to be equipped to do the job. You need to be empowered to do what He commands you to do. Verse 3, I filled Him with the, with the Spirit of God. You ever thought about a carpenter being filled with the Spirit of God to be a carpenter? A stonecutter being filled with the Spirit of God to be a stonecutter? The stay-at-home mom being filled with the Spirit of God to impact those young lives for Christ. What a job! What a responsibility! And like Paul said, knowing that from the Lord you're going to receive the reward of inheritance for your service to Christ. Don't get the idea that you serve God part-time. No. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you brush your teeth, you drink your coffee, you walk out of the house, you're walking into a mission field, right? Right? You're to do your job as unto the Lord with the power that He gives. And think about this. Whatever God tells you to do, whatever He calls you to do, His commandment always comes with empowerment. Behind every command of God is the omnipotent power of God to carry out that command. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And He says, I have filled Bezalel. With my spirit. God wants to fill you with his spirit, folks. He says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine. In other words, don't be under the control of a substance. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Literally in the Greek, it is be being filled. It's a continual thing. It's a command. It's, it, the verb be filled is, is the, in the imperative mood of a verb. What does that mean? It just simply means just do it. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. But it's also in the present tense. It doesn't say get filled with the Spirit. It says be filled. Be being filled. Right now this morning, you ought to be consciously filled with the Spirit of God. This doesn't mean an emotional feeling, folks. But it does mean that you know that God is alive and active and working in your heart. And it's in the present tense right now. But it is also in what's called the passive voice. What does that mean? It's not that there's something you obtain. It is something where God himself acts upon you. In other words, you don't fill yourself with the Spirit. It's a command, be filled with the Spirit. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's not something you can do. It's God filling you as you empty yourself and surrender your life in full dependence on him. You see, we don't get filled with the Spirit because typically we're filled with our own self and our own agenda and our own desires. But at some point, you come to that burning bush and you say, God, I've thought of every excuse I can think of. None of them are flying with you, are they? Then yes, Lord. And you empty yourself. And the Spirit of God comes in. And what a difference it makes. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. We're never sufficient in and of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, Paul writes. But our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Your sufficiency, your ability to serve Jesus comes from Jesus himself. Surrender your life to his service, whatever that looks like. Quit trying to call your own shots. It's God working in you when you surrender Him. You don't persuade God to fill you with the Spirit. You allow Him to do so. It's passive voice. You yield yourself to the Lord. You say, Lord, yes, whatever it is you want me to do. You want me to go to Egypt? You want me to preach? You want me to change diapers? You want me to stay home and and do this? You want me to, whatever whatever it is He wants you to do. How how can I serve you, Lord? And, And you tell me. God knows you personally. He calls you specifically. He equips you uniquely, and He empowers you fully. And I love this last one. He places you strategically. Some of you might say, I'm at a place where I am because I just needed a job. That was the only place I could find work, so I can't say that I'm called to where I am. I'm just stuck here. I wish I was someplace else. Mm. Look at verse 6. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholib, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. See, God says, look, I put you in the midst of people where I want you to be. I've got a job for you to do, and I put you there. And folks, let me just say this. You will find that God arranges your circumstances even when you're not aware that He's arranging them, right? Even when you think that perhaps you're you're out of God's will because circumstances that force you to be where you are, God is moving in the circumstances of your life. In the book of Daniel, Daniel found himself as a a young captive being carried away from Israel to Babylon, modern-day Iraq, if you will. And the Bible tells us, as you read through Daniel, how Daniel... Serve the Lord God even in Babylon captivity. Now he didn't choose to go there, but he was right in the center of God's will. That's where he found himself and that's where he was serving. Here's the instruction that God gave to those people of Daniel's day as they were being carried out to Babylon. The prophet Jeremiah writes this, chapter 29, verse 7. This is for the people who were carried away captive. This is your instructions. This is your marching orders when you go. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. You see, God puts you in a particular place. Maybe you didn't choose it. But you are there for that particular reason. And God is going to surround you with people that He wants you to minister with or to minister to. Most likely, both of those. Ministering with some and ministering to some. But He calls you and places you strategically. You're right where God wants you. So serve Him there, right? Right? God just puts it all together. He knows us personally. He calls us specifically. He gifts us uniquely. He empowers us totally. And he, listen, he puts us together strategically. He does this to make South Valley a viable outreach ministry to impact Lemoore, Kings County, California, America, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Folks, we can have an impact. On our world for Christ. If we will all simply say, Yes, God, no more excuses, no more reasons why not, yes, I will do that. I read this years ago and I love this, and it's something I want to share with you today. And as I read it, you're going to understand why Pastor Frank likes it so well, as you guys know me. But here's how it goes The Carpenter's Tools were holding a conference, Brother Hammer presided. But somebody suggested that he leave because he was just too noisy. He said, well, if I go, Brother Screw must also go. You have to turn him around and around to get him to do anything. Well, Brother Screw said, okay, but Brother Plain must leave also. All his work is on the surface. He has no depth. Brother Plain, okay, if I go, Brother Yardstick's got to go also. He's always measuring folks as if he were the only one who's right. Brother Yardstick complained against Brother Sandpaper. Well, he ought to leave too because he's always so rough, he rubs people the wrong way. And of course, the saw was making cutting remarks. See why I like it? And the drill was boring. And so all of these carpenter tools were kind of in an argument with one another, and then walks the carpenter of Nazareth. And he starts his day, he puts on his apron, and he goes to the bench to make a pulpit from which to proclaim the gospel. And he uses the hammer, the screw, the plane, the yardstick, the sandpaper, the saw, and the drill. And when he is finished, Brother Saul stands up and says, Brethren, I've observed that all of us are workers together with the Lord. You see, folks, God made us different, that He might make us one. I need you, you need me, we all need one another. We're in this together. Right? God has given you gifts that He hasn't given me. God has given me gifts that He hasn't given you. God made us different to make us dependent on one another. You know what the result of Exodus 31 is? It's it's a beautiful tabernacle tabernacle where God chose to manifest His glorious presence among His people. You'd have to go to Exodus chapter 40. and, And I want you to see this. It'll be up on the screen then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You know what, Bezalel may not have seen and may not even ever known how important his work was in the total plan what we have here at South Valley is sort of a mosaic. Many, many people who are used to the Lord. God knows you personally. He's chosen you specifically. He's equipped you uniquely. He empowers you fully. And He places you here strategically. And when listen, when all of us give ourselves to be used by God and His glory, He's going to show up and make His presence known among His people. That's what happened here. All of that work coming together and there's so many other things we could say about it. But folks, God puts you in this body of believers for a particular purpose. If you miss it, the rest of us to some measure will suffer for it. And you'll miss the blessing of it. So my encouragement to you today is, is do like the apostle Paul did and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm going to tell you right now, I would rather have a burning bush experience than a Damascus road trip. The burning bush was far better. Lord, I'll go. When Moses quit making excuses, and he went and God used him mightily as he did the Apostle Paul. I want you to know today, that bush is still burning. Ask God, ask God, Lord, what would you have me to do? How can I be of service? Lord, here's the blank check of my life. Fill in the amount. What do you want from me? And watch the presence of God fill this place. And the impact we have, folks, God will be honored and glorified from Lamore around the globe if we will do that. Amen? Amen? Stand with me. Let's close in prayer. Father, what a joy it is to serve you. We recognize, Lord, how dependent we are on You. You've given us talents. You've also gifted us with spiritual giftings. And yet, Lord, You use both of those things. You use all of us. Every piece of us, our personalities. You use that to impact this world for Christ. Lord, out those doors, there's a world that needs to know the good news of Christ And I pray that, Father, as we leave this place, we see ourselves as ambassadors for the King. May you use us for your honor, for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have a good and godly week. We'll see you next Sunday.